Greetings, this is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our series in the book of Acts, and today we will look at uh, chapter 5, verses 26 through 42. The, the apostles had been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the church was growing in faith and numbers day by day, and of course, the religious leadership in Jerusalem was not happy with this result at all. Therefore, chapter 5 tells us that the members of the Sanhedrin, and specifically the Sadducees, had the apostles arrested and thrown into prison. However, that night, an angel from the Lord came and released the apostles from the prison cell and commanded them, saying, Go, stand in the temple, and speak to the people all of the words of this life. So, the apostles obeyed this command that came from God. Early the next morning, they went to the temple and began to teach all those who had gathered there. But the high priest and the members of the Sanhedrin were not aware of this that this was going on. So in the morning, they gathered together and sent the officers to get the apostles and have them brought to the hall. When the officers arrived at the prison cell, they found the guards faithfully standing guard, and they found the prison doors locked. However, when they opened the door, hmm, there was no one there. When they reported back to the high priest that the apostles were gone, someone came and reported that the apostles had been seen at the temple and that they were preaching and teaching about Jesus, the very one they had previously commanded the apostles to never teach about again. We pick up the story here. Let us read this passage together. Acts 5, beginning with verse 26. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding this man. For some time ago, Theudas rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, 
Keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. The captain of the temple guard took his soldiers in order to arrest the apostles once again. When they arrived at the temple, they observed how popular the apostles were among the people. And so the scripture says that they were afraid of what the people would do if the apostles were seized and put in chains. It's amazing to me that these seasoned soldiers were afraid that that the people would stone them. I'm also sure that they were afraid of another threat of rebellion and riot, which would get the attention of Rome. So instead of arresting the apostles by force, they just quietly brought them back to the hall where the Sanhedrin had gathered. When the apostles stood before the high priest, he asked them, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Peter's response, along with the other apostles, was consistent with what he had previously said to them when they had arrested Peter and John at the time of the lame man's healing. Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. In the words of one commentator, declaring their intent to obey God, the apostles proclaimed their priorities. While believers should try to live at peace with everyone, conflict with the world and its authorities is sometimes inevitable. Situations will come where we cannot obey God and please those in charge. At those times, we must obey God and trust his word. When you must make such a choice, remember Jesus' words in Luke 6, verses 22 through 23. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil. For the Son of Man's sake, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. So Peter reminded these religious leaders that their and our first priority is to obey God. Not only had the angel commanded the disciples to go to the temple to preach about the gospel of Jesus Christ, but Jesus himself had also commanded his disciples just before his ascension to be his witnesses, giving to them what we know today as the Great Commission. Do you remember what he said? Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The apostles did not change their convictions. They obeyed God and trusted him to take care of their consequences. Therefore, Peter continued to boldly speak truth to these men standing before him. Please note that it is as if the tables were now turned Whereas the Sanhedrin thought that the apostles were standing before them as men on trial, but with Peter's exhortation, the truth is that these men were standing before Peter and the apostles as representatives of Jesus Christ, and they were the ones who were on trial for their actions against the Lord Jesus Christ. The high priest said to the apostles, look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. How quickly they forgot that when Jesus was on trial before Pilate, this conversation took place as recorded in Matthew chapter 27, verses 15 through 26. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who's called Christ? And he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife said, sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with this man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who's called Christ? They all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. This was a choice and declaration that they had made just a few short weeks earlier. Now it seems as they don't want to take personal responsibility for what they had done. And Peter confronts them with the truth. Peter said, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. 
Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Peter invoked the phrase, God of our fathers. This immediately became a connection between the two groups. They had a common heritage. This phrase should have reminded the men of the many miracles in the Old Testament that they would have been very familiar with, such as the same God who had miraculously parted the Red Sea and led the Israelites to the Promised Land is the same God who also raised Jesus from the dead. Peter continued with his argument. Let's read it again. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. This is now the fourth time that Peter had accused the Sanhedrin of murder. He was not doing this in order to bash them over the head in condemnation, but rather in the hopes of bringing them to repentance. Peter continues by declaring that God himself had exalted Jesus and placed him at his right hand and has made Jesus to be prince and savior. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which everyone in Jerusalem had heard about, and, and the miracles, and even, even the boldness of the apostles, all of this proved the reality of the coming of the Holy Spirit upon all those who believed, or in Peter's words, whom God has given to those who obey him. You remember, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he said this to his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. You'll find that in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. Yes, God made Jesus both Prince and Savior. Warren Wearsby adds this insight. The term Prince, Archegon, means originator, leader, pioneer, one who leads the way. Instead of demanding his rights as prince, however, Jesus lowered himself to become the savior. Though he was God, he, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbles himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Through that death, Christ made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. Jesus is Savior 
because through his death, he can offer repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. With these words, Peter was offering salvation to the very people who had crucified the Savior. And this is the heart of the gospel. Peter concluded with the fact that they, Peter and the other apostles, were eyewitnesses to Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension. And then he adds that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was also a testimony of the same truth. This is true because if Jesus had never risen from the dead and ascended to heaven, he could never have sent the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit had never been sent, then the healing of the lame man and all of the other numerous miraculous healings and deliverances would never have happened. The very fact that Peter and the other apostles were standing before them should have been proof enough of this miraculous power, and it should have been sufficient to be convincing proof. But it was not. A revered rabbi, a Pharisee by the name of Gamaliel, who was greatly respected by both the Pharisees and the Sadducees, spoke. And by the way, this is the same Gamaliel that Saul, later to be known as the Apostle Paul, studied under before he became a Christian. Gamaliel instructed them to remove the disciples while they discussed what, what to do next. His statements clearly suggest that he did not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Prince and Savior. But God used him and his argument in order to save the lives of the apostles. As someone once said, God used Gamaliel, a Pharisee, and respected member of the Jewish community to help free the apostles. This has always been a fascinating strategy of God. He often has used the most unlikely sources to help his people or to get his message across. For Joseph, he used Pharaoh. With Nehemiah, he used Artaxerxes. With Daniel, God used Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and Darius. For the Jews to return to their homeland, he used Cyrus of Persia. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a, like a water course wherever he pleases. Elsewhere, the Old Testament records God using rebels, adulterers, thieves, and even a donkey to get his message across. And so on this day, they all agreed to wait to see if this movement will fade away in the course of time, just like the others had. So they ordered the apostles to be flogged and released. Now, once again, this was no insignificant flogging. This was a flogging according to Jewish law. And it has been described this way. In a flogging, 
Leather thongs made into whips were beaten against the bared upper body of the bound prisoner. The prisoner would be made to kneel, then the triple strap whip would be beaten across both chest and back, with two beatings on the back for every, for every one on the chest. This punishment would be given to people judged guilty of crimes. But you will note that the apostles were not char char charged with any crime, yet they were flogged. And they rejoiced. They went back to their, the people, the church body that had gathered, they told them what had happened, and they all rejoiced that they had been counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. Question. Have you ever thought of persecution as a blessing? As something worth rejoicing about? These men, the apostles, knew how Jesus had suffered. And they praised God that he had allowed them to be persecuted like the Lord. They praised God that they had been counted worthy. Let me give you a, a word of counsel and encouragement. Don't resent opposition or persecution. Instead, regard it as a sign that you have been faithful to Christ. Well, let me close with a passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 as my final thought, encouragement, prayer, and benediction over you today. Word of God says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you will apply these scriptures to the heart and mind and life of the listener today, my dear friend. Heavenly Father, we want to be faithful like the apostles were faithful long ago. We want to obey you, to obey your commands, to trust in you, to follow you, to yield our lives before your authority, O oh God, and to have you be the Lord and Savior of our life. So Lord, refresh us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Continue to teach us your word. Renew our faith and strengthen us, O oh God, that we might be faithful faithful servants of yours, faithful witnesses, faithful in word and deed. May our lives bring you glory. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, until next time, my friend, may you stand strong, firm, and steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. God bless you, my friend.